Can you hear my heart beating through the microphone? Yeah. Uh, as you've already heard, if, if, you're, if you're not aware, my name is Corey Carr. Uh, and this is not something I usually do. Um, usually when I'm standing here, I'm, I'm holding a guitar and, and standing in front of a microphone singing songs. And I have that, uh, that little bit of a security blanket and barrier between myself and you. And I'm comfortable. This is, this is not as comfortable for me. Uh, but I'm appreciative for the opportunity. I'm appreciative that uh, God has, has placed people in my life in this church that pushed me to go beyond what I think I'm capable of or feel called to even. Um, and, and so I'm thankful uh, that Owen was willing, and I know he's out of town visiting family, but to give up time, and James could have preached this morning, but they wanted to give me the opportunity to do something different. And so, uh, before we get started, I, w- I want to pray uh, for Owen. I know we just had a prayer, but um, we are coming up on a year of having Owen as our pastor, and it's it's amazing that the, the the things that have happened in this year and the, and the places that God is using him to lead us. And so as they're traveling and, and they're in Oklahoma right now, let's pray for them uh, for safe travels and then we will get started this morning. God, we, we thank you first for this year. Lord, all the, the amazing things that you've done individually in, a, in a, each of our individual lives, God. Um, but collectively, as a, as a unit here, a family, God, in this church, uh, the ways you have blessed us, uh, the ways that you've shown us how to better serve you. Lord, we thank you that you've sent us uh, a pastor, Lord, who, who has a heart for serving you and for serving others. God and, and uh, his family, Lord, have that same heart. We thank you for just for, for blessing us with them. So we ask, God, that you bring them back to us safely. God, and continue to guide us as we move into this new year. Lord, show us how to better serve you and those around us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Uh, That's towards the back in the New Testament. Um, It's got Galatians and Ephesians and then Philippians and Colossians, if you're unfamiliar with where that is. We'll be in chapter 2. Uh, verses 1 through 18. I know your, your worship guy says 5 through 18, but um, that's my mistake. <laughs> it's 1 through 18. And just to give you a little bit of a backstory uh, on what we're about to read here, um, this, this is a letter written by Paul. Um, and in fact, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, all letters written by Paul, and they're usually grouped together uh, because they're, they're very similar in their text, and they're considered foundational uh, for the understanding of God's grace the works of the Holy Spirit, and the purpose of the church. It's a follow-up, basically, to the book of Acts, which we just finished up. um, And it continues to teach us how to better live out our faith. Uh, As I said, it was written by Paul around 60 AD to the church at Philippi, uh, which is in modern-day Greece, near the Kavala region, uh, just east of Thessalonica, a place that we are familiar with because of the book of Thessalonians, First and Second Thessalonians. Um, and so just to give you a, a better idea I have a map first I have a map of the Mediterranean area and you can kind of you, you, you know this part you see Italy right the boot and then you can see Turkey 
over there. And right in between the yellow part, all the islands, that's Greece. And I think it's fortuitous that a place known for food and a place named after food, in between them is, is Greece. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, next, I have a map. So you saw where that is, but you know where Greece is now. Uh, this is Greece. It's really a, a large group of islands, but there is the, the upper northern part of Greece. You can see kind of where there's a dip in the northern part. That's Thessalonica. Just east is Kavala. And just north of that is Drama. And I'll save the drama jokes. Um, In between Kavala and drama is modern-day Philippi. So just so you know, this is a real place. This is not some made-up fairytale land. This is a place that actually still exists today. Paul was in Rome. We, We read in Acts 28 that he was in prison. And that's where he is at the time of this writing. Uh, He's in Rome, but he obviously has uh, the ability to receive messages, as we'll see. He's visited uh, by a friend, Epaphroditus, who gives Paul a gift and the news about Philippi. Uh, Paul often received news about the different areas that he had ministered to. Um, But there were some things going on in Philippi. Uh, There was some disunity in the area, and some people using the gospel for selfish gain, um, which doesn't sound like anything that could happen today, does it? Let's examine the text. In fact, let's just go right in. We'll start verse 1. We'll read through 18 and then go back through. I'll be reading through in the ESV. It'll also be on the screen behind me, but you can follow along in your own Bible or in, in your phone or iPad or whatever you have. Here we go. Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, by coming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always believed and obeyed, So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God's work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life 
so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. And God bless the reading of his word. Let's look back to chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Paul charges us to unite and to make ourselves humble and to consider others. It can be difficult to work together sometimes, can't it? Um, It can be difficult to rely on someone else sometimes. Um, Anyone who's ever been part of a group project in school or at work can attest that there's always that one person who does absolutely nothing, right? Then there's three or four other opinions on how it should be done. And finally, there's the one that just says, you know what, I'm doing it all by myself. I'm taking it on. This is mine. And it can be easier, because it's easier for us, isn't it? But is it easier, or is it just more convenient? Personally, this is an area in which I struggle and for those of you who don't know, I love to cook. I, I can cook, and I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, I can cook just about anything. I'm just being real. I can cook. I can cook for two people. I can cook for a thousand people. And the truth is, I would rather do it all by myself. And it's, it's just, it's a problem I have. It's something I, I struggle with. Um, you can just ask my mom when, when we try to work together in the kitchen. I, I just have to tell her, go, let me do this. I, I know how, and I, I, maybe I'm a jerk, but I know how every vegetable should be chopped. I know exactly like how long the meat should sear before it goes in the oven, what seasonings and when to add it. Um, but this isn't a lone instance in which I'm, I'm too bullheaded to let someone help me. Um, I'm glad my dad's here because he will appreciate this story. Um, I, occasionally I, I cut other people's grass and he has a trailer that he keeps in the backyard uh, so that I can haul the lawnmower around to cut other people's grass. And it was earlier in the year, I guess this spring that we just had so much rain, so much rain. And there was some standing water in the side yard. You have to kind of drive through our yard and back up into the backyard, connect the trailer. And I was going to do all this by myself, of course. And uh, I knew as soon as I hit the yard that this was a bad idea, but I kept going. And I pulled in and finally, and I started to back towards, and all of a sudden I just stopped. I I was going nowhere and my tires were spinning and I kept spinning, and I, I knew I could get myself out. I didn't need any help. I could it might have a big truck, V8 engine, big old all-terrain tires on them. I can handle this. And I, I sunk it down to the axle <laughs> in, in the side yard there. And uh, I was humbled quickly when my dad showed up, and then my mom came out. And then we had to call the neighbors, and so we were pulling the truck with one truck. I'm pushing, neighbors pushing, mom's driving, and finally we, we get it out. And uh, that was a lesson for me. But it can, it can sometimes be easy for us 
to think we can just handle things on our own, can it? It's very easy to shut people out because we don't trust them to do the same job that we would do. Or maybe because we want all the glory and recognition. Or maybe we're just impatient. Um, But this is just what the world tells us is true. To trust no one. That if you want a job done right, you have to do it yourself. Or possibly it's, it's past hurts or scars that tell you I don't need anyone else. I can handle these things on my own. I'm just better off by myself. And if we're not careful, this mindset can enter a place in our lives that it does not belong into our spiritual lives. Verses 3 and 4 say this, Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but to the interests of others. And I did a little bit of studying. I'm, I'm not proficient in Greek uh, like Owen and, and even Zach are, and James knows way more than I do. But I did get to do a little bit of studying. And the word interest that we have here isn't actually in the original text. It's kind of a, a filler word. It was added to give us understanding of what the word is trying to tell us. Uh, but really, it's, it kind of leaves some to the imagination uh, it can be interchanged kind of with needs, not just interest, because interests can imply other meanings sometimes, but here it means needs, things like food and shelter, clothes, money, family, and friends, all the things that we really need in this life. And this can seem a little daunting, right? We have a hard enough time taking care of those things, taking care of our house, taking care of the food we need. And here we are, Paul is telling us that we should care for those things, for other people, just like we would care for ourselves. This requires a great amount of humility. That's how we get to that point. And it can seem like an unattainable amount to reach, but Paul gives us an example of humility. Let's read verses 5 through 11 and see what Paul says about the example of humility. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in equal form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taken on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the ultimate example of humility. He had everything, right? He has been around since before time. He He is God and had everything. He is literally God in flesh. Yet didn't see equality with God as something that could be grasped. That's humility. No, instead, he poured himself out as an offering and became a man, a very common, everyday human being. And even from there, he continued to lower himself to the level of a servant. He was obedient to the point of death, death by crucifixion for you and for me, and to serve you and to serve me. 
And this is amazing news. How many of us could say, given the opportunity to have anything we could desire to be revered by men, uh, would turn it all away? But Jesus did. It wasn't always easy for Jesus. Excuse me. But he knew what his reward was. His reward was in heaven. Because he and God were of the same mind. They shared the same heart. And for these reasons, God exalted him. God lifted him up. We are to have this same mindset. This same goal. And this requires unity in Christ. It's not a popular thing to say nowadays, is it? To humble yourselves. Or to put others before yourself. Even in my preparation for this sermon, uh, I tried to figure out how to do all of this entirely on my own, and and I was getting nowhere. And it wasn't until I spoke with several people that I trust, James and and Owen and Zach, uh, uh, guys that have experience doing this, that it finally started to come together. And it was, I knew that I wanted to use this text, and I knew the idea was that I wanted to, to tell about unity in Christ. And here I was trying to handle things all on my own. Paul even recognizes that this is not natural for us. We can look back into verse 4, sorry, verse 3, and it says, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. That would be the natural thing for us, right? Obviously, Paul has to make a point of this, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, because that's what's natural for us, is to do what's best for us and to do what's going to benefit us. Again, later in 15, he calls this a crooked and perverted generation. This is why we have flocks of people trying to work themselves into God's grace, thinking that being a good person or doing good things is the ticket into heaven. Or that the ticket is being loved by everyone. Or that becoming rich is, is a gain that we can have from the gospel. There are even pastors telling people that the gospel will make you rich. And all the while, these people are not seeking God and what he wants us to do and how to serve him and to serve those around us. Um, there's a quote by a man named George Whitfield, uh, who you may have heard of, if you've ever taken a U.S. history course. Um, He's considered to be the founder of the Great Awakening. If you've taken U.S. history, you'll you'll remember that. Um, It was a series of revivals preached throughout the American colonies in 1740 A.D. that led to exactly what the name implies, a great revival, a great awakening uh, throughout the United States colonies. And it says this, it's on the screen. It says, what? Get to heaven on your own strength, you might as well climb to the moon on a rope of sand. I like George Whitfield. He kind of has a little bit of a sense of humor about him. And I suggest you, could, you check out some of his other writings and works. But this is impossible. And it's not a smart way to live life. It's a path that leads to ruins. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. I'm going to have that up on the screen as well. But you can turn there if you would like. About this way that leads to ruins. It says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is broad 
that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. it it's going to look, basically what's being said here, is it's going to look like the easier road to take is the one that everyone else is taking. The one that says, do for me, do what's best for me, do for mine. But we will not see our eternal reward on our own strength. It requires unity with Christ. And we cannot fully serve our purpose in Christ on our own. It requires unity with each other, sharing the mind of Christ. We were created for community with each other and with God. All right. Let's see what Paul has to say about this newfound mind of Christ and humility. If you would, verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And we'll stop right there really quickly. It can seem confusing. We hear that, that sentence that says to work out our salvation. That sounds like a complete a contradiction to everything else we just learned in the past uh, few verses. But literally what this means is to live out your salvation with fear and trembling. And not with fear as in you're terrified of God, but respect is what that means. And then trembling trembling is probably a hyperbole, but still invokes that idea of just understanding daily the power of God and to continue to seek to live that life, understanding and respecting the power of God. Still, Paul doesn't disconnect this idea of working out our faith with God's grace. When he reminds us in 13 that it is God's working, God working through us for his good purpose. Reminding us that in Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, we have the mind and attitude of Christ. We saw that in verse 5. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Basically, Paul is telling us, you have a, this mind of Christ. As my mom would say, you have a perfectly good brain inside your head. Use it. That's what we have. We have this mindset. You have Jesus. He's in there. You have to spend time with him. You have to seek him. Seek his heart. Moving forward to verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as a light in the world holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. And here we have the purpose of our unity with Christ. We learn that we should have it, that we can have it, and now what to do with it. Our, we learn our purpose for our unity with Christ and with each other. It's so that we can serve as a light 
to others. Paul says that we are shining stars among the people. We're called to serve together, holding each other accountable and pointing each other to the cross. Uh, This is why I love our small groups here at church. I'm a part of a small group, and I'm going to have a little shameless plug. We have a young adults small group that meets on Thursday nights um, for people who are seniors in high school to whenever. Some of us are old. Er. 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 Um, but, and I love it. it. It's a group of people that can hold me accountable. They know. They know that this is a struggle of mine. I've, I've told them. And that's what we do with each other. We express our feelings about life. We tell each other where we fall short and we can hold each other accountable. Not in a way that's condemning, but in a way that's uplifting. Uh, and in a way that leads us closer to the Father. And we have plenty of other small groups. Let me just say that. I know we have several that meet during the week. We have several that meet here. We also have Sunday school on Sunday mornings. Take advantage of these times where you can have community with people. You can have people surrounding you that are going to love you, be there when things are good, be there when things are bad, and can always point you to the Father in, in, in any situation. And that's what we're called to, to serve together, to hold each other accountable, pointing each other to the cross. The ultimate example of humility and sacrifice. It's the place where we receive the power to serve one another. And it's the place where we receive forgiveness for our failure to serve one another. And this morning, if you've never taken that opportunity to turn to the cross... And to see the grace that he has for you. This is not a a condemning cross. This cross is a cross that gives life. You have the opportunity to turn to that cross this morning. Uh, We're going to come up. I'm going to pray for us. Miss Peggy's going to come up and lead us in a song. James is going to be down front. I'm going to be down front. Uh, We're going to have some deacons in the balcony. If, If you don't feel comfortable coming down, that's fine. But if you need someone to pray with... Or if you are ready to take that step this morning of of turning towards Jesus, uh, I invite you to take that opportunity this morning. Let's pray.